Yo, yo, yo. Welcome back to another episode of the Nick and Griff Show. Today is Saturday, April 2nd. It is 9.19 a.m. Griff, how was your week? Before we jump into the market check, how was your week, man? Long one. That's Long for one, sure. Huh? How was your week? It was pretty good. Got to, got some good stuff uh, tied up, finished up, sent off, and uh, looking forward to another good week next week. My, so I do outside sales. My car payment situation has changed. So now they're giving us like a fixed payment plus variable. And the variable is like cents per mile and it's based on gas. But now I pay for the gas. So I'm not sure if I'm going to do better or worse. (laughs) But I have to pay attention to gas prices even more now. But I already was. It's just crazy. So, that what's was uh, what are gas prices up at at uh, in six Sacramento? Six bucks. Yeah, I mean, like I saw one for five forty nine yesterday. I, what a deal! Five forty nine, killer. It's crazy. It was uh, here in here in Tulsa. It's been the last time that I was really like taking pictures of of my uh, my gas pump every time I was filling up. We went from like 350, I think it was like 359 up to 379, and then and now it's sitting back around the 360s. So what are we gonna do, you know? All right, let's jump into this market check. Griff, we had uh, kind of a, an interesting week here past couple of days in Bitcoin as far as uh, our price for sure, but let's check out the S&P 500 this past week um what's that for the year uh let's see year to date falling falling off a little bit here sitting at currently sitting at 45 45 let's check out like the look at that dude isn't that crazy look at that fall off i mean you have uh the peak just before covid you know in beginning of 2020 in february falls due to covid all the uncertainty in the market falls uh let's see from right around 3300 to 2300 it's a thousand point jump or drop that's a pretty significant drop there and then there you go there's qe jerome powell and the boys getting the printing machine out right okay so that's the s&p there over the past five years you know you can kind of see the uh, COVID outlook the jump since then all that kind of stuff and the, obviously the big fall off that we're seeing here just recently um let's check out uh, let's check out the vix here do you know do you know uh, how the VIX works, Griff? It's like a volatility index. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it somehow or another, uh, they, they call it the fear index. You know, they they I don't know exactly how they use or how they measure um, the VIX and how they track it, how how they uh, find the, the data points every day, but um, it's supposed to show some level of certainty or uncertainty. So whenever the VIX is down, that means fear is down. When the VIX is high means fear is high so if we look back at you know if we look at that five-year jump so here's COVID right here there's that huge spike in the in the fear index and we've kind of had some you know ups and downs since then but Dow Jones I imagine looks pretty similar here let's look at the one week up and down and last but not least we got Bitcoin look dude this was awesome so here is uh let's see so here's Thursday right the 31st and then Friday happens. Now we're in Friday. We have this huge fall off. All the direct deposits hit. I got to buy. Uh, I got to buy somewhere around in here in the middle of the night, right? And then it shot right back up afterwards. <laughs> I was like, "Hey, get can't beat that." Uh, but then you know, looking over the past month, it's been kind of fun to watch uh, the price of it go back up a little bit, um, hitting uh, hitting some all all time highs and within the past three months, right? Um, but then obviously we've fallen off some, from the top up at, uh, 69 up there, I think was the top, top. Um, but, uh, man, what do you think about this stuff, Griff? One Bitcoin is one Bitcoin, but, uh, and it's, the, I think, like I say every week, it's a really important concept to understand because I was talking to somebody about it yesterday, you know, one Bitcoin is always going to be one Bitcoin in the within the Bitcoin network. It'll never be over undervalued from that. It's always going to be worth one Bitcoin. 
And it's really, as an investor, what you're deciding is, is one, if there were only, let's just say that if there were only 21 million US dollars total, 21 million, they could be divided into cents, whatever, but there's only 21 million. How valuable would those dollars be? How cheap would everything be? I mean, to get a dollar would be crazy. 100%. So, so I, uh, I haven't gotten a chance to tell you yet. Um, Janae and I hit uh, uh, a pretty exciting milestone. <clears throat> so when we had initially had started buying Bitcoin, uh, the price was at uh, 57000 or so. Um, that was a big old drink of water that you just took. <laughs> um, uh, we, we initially started buying at 57000 I think, in October of 21. And then it jumped, it jumped up to 69000 and it's slowly fallen off since then. Well... We have continued to buy. We've dollar cost averaged our way in, and we have officially broken even, and we're positive now on our Bitcoin investment all time, and the price has never gone back above that initial uh, buy price. I was like, hey, that's really cool. Gotta love the power of dollar cost averaging, right? Yeah, it's a really, I mean, it's, I think it's the best way to do it and just try to be as heavy-handed as possible at the dips. I mean, but, you know, what is one Bitcoin going to be worth? I think it's really hard to quantify for a lot of reasons. Yeah. Because for me, it's a long-term hold. I mean, really, we're talking about the scarcest asset on the planet that could potentially also be the medium of exchange. <laughs> okay, I'm just going to hold on to that. Why? Because I'll probably be able to buy a lot with it. <laughs> people are going to take it i uh paid my rent yesterday and spun my bitcoin wheel nick four mm percent -hmm. back hundred fifty-seven thousand sats really uh-huh so what what uh what are you using to do that um because you you're fold. using some type of fold you said right fold yeah it's a debit card setup but so do you, you, you have to preload that you said or how does that work yeah it's like a preloaded debit card that's kind of just how it works. So do you have some, some amount like direct deposited there or. Yeah. Do you have uh, does your, does your employer use um, like a, an app, like a, uh, a service that has an app where you can easily change that stuff. Cause I know that we use yeah, that. And it's super nice. Yeah. ADB. So yeah. we use uh, we use a service and we can, we, I can just hop on my phone. I can add in, um, you know, like my, my emergency fund account, I can add my, my regular account that I use with Chase. Um, and then I can, uh, I add, I've got strike in there. So I direct deposit straight to strike and that spot buys. Um, so you have it set up like that with, with fold. Fold strike and Sierra's bank account, because I don't hold, I don't hold a traditional bank account anymore. Oh, hate wow. It. I hate wow. it, man. Overdraft fees hassles i'm good don't need you and also you just like don't need it because you can go to an atm even if you don't belong to the bank anyway and if we're talking about a bank run event i don't know you I, here's a good question if there was ever a bank run again in the united states which would be crazy because we know all the dollars are digital but if there was a bank run again what, what what does that mean what are what's going on like i'm i'd be so confused and what are people going to do when they realize only like 10 percent of their dollars are still in that bank it's gonna well be you know here, here's something to kind of think about um and you were you were kind of moving into it right like back in the day a bank run was everybody's going to the bank and they're saying give me give me my cash or you know i want i want my gold or whatever right or you know, give me my cash probably is the main thing, right? Give me, give me crisp hundred dollar bills. Cause I, I don't want my money here anymore. Right. Um, it's interesting because, because a lot of this stuff, uh, the vast majority of it is all digital dollars. I mean, not, not digital dollars in the sense of uh, cryptocurrency. It's not the, the same style. Right. But it is like, it's digital. It's online. It's, it's just numbers on the screen, the dollars, it's dollar signs on, on the assets uh, in the, in the, 
liabilities for these major banks. If you run to the bank and, and, and everybody says, hey, we're going to pull out our cash because the dollar's worth nothing. Um, well, then we're just getting physical dollars <laughs> that are still worth nothing. So it's like there, there is what, what does a bank run mean today? You know, I know I was thinking the same thing. I think maybe bank runs are kind of impossible because the dollar really like inflates at an infinite rate at any rate. Well, it'd be, it'd be weird to think, you know, how can you, how can you pull value out of something that can't leave that system. That'd be like, it'd be like, uh, you know, Hey, we've got, this is, this is what it sounds like to me. I don't know. Maybe this is, maybe this is incorrect, but if, uh, if I'm the bank and I hold all the people's money, right. We'll make it super simple. I hold all the people's money. And for some reason or another, everybody wants to pull their money out because there there's a, there's a lot of uncertainty they're they're scared about what the future looks like right let's call it inflation maybe it's inflation that's causing this so everybody says you know what i'm i'm pulling my money out of the bank but the only way to use that money is to operate within the system that the banks operate within so if you pull your money out of the bank are you really pulling it out of the system i mean it's all part of the system right i mean you you could like like gold is is separate from this right because gold is not connected to the dollar. Gold's value is not connected to the dollar. Uh, similar to the way that Bitcoin's value is not connected to the dollar. We price it, right? We might price it in the dollar because that's what our, our most regular and commonly accepted medium of exchange is right now. But uh, if, you're, if, you're, if, 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 if it's a bank run situation and you're pulling cash out of the bank, are you really pulling your value away from that, right? That is, that is so weird. Hey guys, the topic today is inflation. We, we are uh, kind of starting off getting into getting into the weeds of some of these theoreticals and stuff here, but we're talking about inflation today. Um, I don't know that a ton of people really understand exactly what inflation is, why it's caused. Um, there's actually a couple of different types, a couple of different main types of inflation. Um, but uh, let's hop right into this, Sucker Griff. I got to ask your opinion before we get to the technical definitions. Uh how do you how do you think people view inflation? How do you what what do you think the common person sees inflation as, and uh, how do you view inflation? I think most people look at inflation up until well now, kind of. Uh, I think most people viewed it as nothing to worry about in a sense, like literally, like they didn't know what to think about it because a lot of these economic theories, you know, don't interest people. So they don't study it. So not a lot of people are finance brained like that. So, you know, they look at inflation and they were told by the government, Hey, inflation is supposed to uh, basically represent growth in our economy. You have to invest to beat inflation, yada, yada, yada. It's like forced growth, which hasn't really been much of a problem in the United States because we have grown at a really, really fast rate. But if we don't be our rate of inflation as an economy, you know, I mean, it's not good. So I think just inflation's legalized counterfeiting. I mean, here's a, here's a couple of, a couple of key points here that we found on, uh, on Investopedia, which, if you guys are not on Investopedia, uh, research in terms and ideas and, you know, economic strategies and Bitcoin, money, investments, all that kind of stuff, go check it out. I mean, Investopedia has got a hell of a resource. But anyways, listen to this here. <clears throat> Inflation is the decline of purchasing power over uh, a time period, right? Um, it's, it's the decline in purchasing power. It's the decline in the amount of goods and services you're able to buy with your money, right? That's what inflation is. Typically, we see it in the CPI, right? What, what things cost. Um, and we see it as not a decline in our purchasing power. We see it as an increase in cost for goods, which is, which is really a little deceptive in my mind. Um, uh, another piece here that it says is that it can also be difficult and complex, a difficult and complex process to identify 
your exact inflation rate because we don't all use the same products and services. Um, you know, this is the idea that that inflation is relative, right? Um, they, they use the CPI to track kind of the, the general uh, consumer price index. It's very general. That was um, a really nice way of putting it. Well, I mean, I mean, like it, it is accurate. The CPI is is exactly accurate if you buy only those goods and services within the CPI. But but we know that that's not true. Uh, we know that well, uh, also the way that they calculate um, rent, housing prices, things of that nature, is very off. I can't think of their exact calculation right now. But if we deep dove the way that they calculate, you know, what the average rent for a one bedroom apartment is in the United States and what's that that is doing year over year, their calculations off way off because that's so, a big part of the formula. And they're saying it's 7.9%. It's not yeah. accurate. They have a way of fudging it. hundred percent. I, I agree with you here. Um, so you know, what it says here is ultimately inflation leads to a decline in living standards and economic activity, um, which is which is a big piece here. And it redistributes wealth away from the lower income earners and to the owners of appreciating assets. So, um, you know, that that really is so wild. Like, think, think about think about inflate. OK, before before we get too much further. Right. Uh, we've got to talk about a couple of different types of inflation. So there is. Um, there is cost push inflation, and then there is, um, what is it, demand pull? Is that the other one? Let me check out my notes here. So it's, uh, let's see. Yeah, cost push and uh, wage, or sorry, cost push and demand pull inflation. So cost push is, uh, let's see here. Cost push is when the cost of cost of raw materials, the, the labor um, that go into creating a project or a product are increased and, uh, and, and the cost of, dude, I'm like, I'm really struggling here. Can't get these words out, man. Um, let's see here. So cost push inflation is the decrease in the aggregate supply of goods and services stemming from an increase in the cost of production. So the cost of production increases while the, a company, a profitable company, is going to pass on those increased costs onto, um, onto their customer, right? Uh, that's how business works. You've got overhead expenses, cost of doing business, that gets, that gets added into the price of producing your product. Um, and then on another on another level, you've got demand pull inflation, which is the increase in aggregate demand for a certain thing. Um, and this is categorized by the, they talk about the four sections of the uh, of the macro economy. So they talk about individuals or households, businesses, governments, and foreign buyers. Um, but then they talk about uh, uh, let's see where is it at here where it talks about um, the cost of raw materials, the cost of uh, the cost of labor, uh, the cost of capital. All of those things uh, play into demand pool. So, what we're seeing uh, actually here in in inflation uh, today is demand pool, I believe, and that is where the uh, supply of money is increased. Um, there's more, and which creates more demand in the market because everybody's got more money, um, and because there's more demand in the market, everything shoots up in price, as well as the other factor of uh, the amount of dollars that you hold uh, devalue or uh, get debased as the, the total supply increases. Um, it's wild stuff. It's also it's, really confusing. It's um, I think it's confusing because inflation in and of itself is like a really weird phenomenon like that we think that we can get away with printing time. You know, it's like such a weird thing. It's it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. But what about the kind of inflation, Nick, where it's like um, instead of, you know, 12 slices of bread in a package or in a loaf, now there's 11. But the price is the same. What is that kind of inflation called? Because I've seen that happen yeah. at my grocery store already. Where It's like, oh, you guys like are keeping because the price of like 
let's just say the price of a sirloin steak was 10 bucks yesterday a pound but it's still the prices haven't changed much like it's still like eight bucks or whatever they just don't put any meat in there or they slice it a little thinner what is that called they call there's there there's one name that i'm seeing that's uh shrinkflation um which is uh you basically that you you pay the same price that you're used to paying but there's less in 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 the in the package or less in the box or whatever so like you know chips you know you buy a bag of chips and it's like everybody that's happening oh yeah so so i mean you you buy a bag of chips you know at one point in time and it's a full bag of chips and then inflation you know shoots up and gets crazy and you still pay the same for that same bag of chips but there's less chips in the bag yeah shrinkflation yeah yeah well like we're gonna get there'll be like one chip in the bag here soon yeah um so how do you think uh how do you think bitcoin plays a or or is connected in this inflation deal yeah i've thought about this a lot which is why i think there's like an unforeseen bubble within everything right now because it's an inflation bubble and you know i would like to believe bitcoin is impervious to that but I do think this inflation bubble, like, I guess, Nick, the question is, can our Federal Reserve slash U.S. government get this thing under control for real or not? Like, can they? Because if you think they can, then Bitcoin is just fine. Because inflation is not transitory, so we're just going to be living in the world we're living in today. We're just going to have to find a way to do it. Because... Can't unprint the money. You can't. They're they're. Ne- Tell me the last time that your world truly got deflationary. The prices that we're seeing today are here to stay, and they're not really sustainable. Um. So my question is, you know, if you aren't on that side, what does an inflation bubble mean for investments when you hit the end of it and it pops? Is what are i don't really know what happens in the markets during those times i can't imagine it's good um but also with bitcoin it's global um you know it's not even a trillion dollar asset yet yet and i think that means it's super undervalued so i think it still has a run to go but i don't know you know i'm not like this is not investment advice I think Bitcoin is, without a doubt, potentially the only undervalued asset right now that there is. I think I think it's undervalued. I don't think eight hundred billion is enough. It's not even like a huge number when you look at other asset classes. I'm when trying to find. Gold, so I'm just saying it has a it has a way it has Bitcoin has another twenty thousand x in it if you want to look at it in USD terms mm-hmm. over a period of time, but over the next you know short period or whatever this inflation bubble is inflationary environment I don't know anybody's guess is best guess I, I just think that there's potential for Bitcoin to be good in inflation recession, meaning your money is sound because one Bitcoin is one Bitcoin. And I think it'll hold good purchasing power during that time. But, you know, I mean, I guess at the very end of the day, there could be money in Bitcoin that, uh, you know, people just had extra money because it wasn't worth a lot. And so they were able to obtain a lot of it easy. It's easy money. I don't know. I don't know, man. It's a really interesting thing. I don't really think we're going to go backwards, though. I think that the only way um, forward is continuing to QE, continuing to try to fan the flames of force fire. Let Let me pull this up, this deal up here. It's just a really hard... 
push it's a really hard there. thing to think about because there's really no examples in history where this ends up being any kind of good for us so i know griff you are familiar with this website it's called wtf happened in 1971.com mm -hmm. um it's just a it's just a website filled with charts here um that show all of these different examples of of what inflation has done over time i mean check this out 1971 cost of living new house 25 $25,000 average income $10,000 new car $3,500 gas 40 cents a gallon movie ticket $1.50 you know look at some of those things here's an interesting one um this is uh, i believe an example of yeah campbell's condensed tomato soup um so this is uh one of those standard products they say it's it's tough to hide inflation with a such a standard product like this but from that point right there in 1971 uh, <laughs> that's pretty wild huh these are campbell's products yeah it was just a campbell's uh it says condensed tomato soup this is the best website i love it um here's here's a, a good one right obviously we can see from 1913 to 2015 these numbers are cumulative in that whole period of time is 2300 percent inflation which is absolutely absurd but then we can see from that 1971 year it shoots way up a lot quicker which is wild i mean here you go here's the cpi um that that they've tracked since i don't know i don't know how i don't know if they've i, I don't know how accurate all of these numbers are um in this period but i mean look at this i mean we don't even really need to say much right so the real question is, is how do we, how, what is America's only way out of this problem? Man, see, this is, this is where things get interesting, right? Is because, because we could sit here and talk about um, the fundamentals of Bitcoin and we could talk about uh, the problems that we're, that we're facing within the current system. It does uh, for sure start getting tough whenever we, when we look into the future and think, okay, so we've got some issues what is the what is the way forward what is the path forward um you know obviously so before we get there so 1971 richard nixon officially takes us off the gold standard um gives the gives the federal government all power to print all the money they want that's why you're seeing those numbers that you see in that in that uh, website um you know that's why that's why that's why the the purchasing power of the dollar has gone so far down so drastically so quickly over you know a couple of decades um it's gone it's gone down pretty rapidly um and Why that is because the increased supply of money right it's huh? pretty obvious you know huh a lot of other countries aren't just holding u.s dollars anymore they're like this is not um this is not what we want yeah it's not um, so we think about yeah moving forward like what does what does the future look like you know i mean I don't know. I don't know what happens to the dollar. You know, I think uh, I was on a Twitter space the other day and I was talking with a guy about this. And, and I think what he was saying makes a ton of sense. And what what that was is that some of these some of the larger fiats, which are, you know, the U.S. dollar, the euro, all all the larger ones will probably stick around for a while. They'll probably stick around for a while and then they will over time hyperinflate themselves out of existence. Right. Um, and I think there's going to be more of a move toward a harder form of money, whether that's, you know, because some people are going to run to gold and precious metals. Some people are going to run to Bitcoin, right? I mean, obviously, you and I know where, where we're going to go with our value, with our money. Um, but, you know, people are going to run to harder forms of, uh, you know, harder forms of money or just, just reserve assets, right? Whether that's real estate, commodities, um, Bitcoin, gold, whatever it is, people are going to start running to those things whenever, whenever, whenever the mainstream catches on, right? Whenever the majority is like, oh, we've kind of got an issue here, right? Um, it seems like this stuff is so new and it's kind of difficult to understand. And, you know, if, if you're not interested in this stuff, you probably don't pay attention to it all the time, right? It's like um, all of the... Uh, all isn't of the uh was that isn't it crazy how many more people are now up in arms because inflation is so high it's like you can't ignore it but yeah. like it's been really bad for quite some time 
I just yeah. thought it was crazy because like there was this there is this number out there this magical number that people it makes people realize and they go okay this is not good you know like now people are starting to become a little bit conscious and they're like hmm, I wonder what's going on and I think this conversation is interesting Nick because it's in the in the future right because 75 percent of all fiat currencies in world history have gone to zero and the only 25 percent remaining are the ones we see today so what is the future of money now that bitcoin is out there now that the united states has decided to economically sanction entire countries now that you know what i'm saying like now that the game has changed now that india bought oil from russia in rubles now that um there is a world trade that isn't really running through the United States and NATO anymore. Um, and I don't really think it's all that bad of a thing for people. You know, governments will do what governments will do, but, you know, maybe in the future, you know, Bitcoin starts off as just like that medium that gets traded between countries. And you have NATO, you have the Eastern countries, and then you have the internet and Bitcoin, you know? And like some people choose to, some smaller countries, I think, will choose to be like, okay, I'm going to be all in on Bitcoin because I can get these really smart developers, wealthy people to come to our country and build the infrastructure with Bitcoin. And that's fine. There might be some authoritarian small nations that don't like that at first, but their people are going to drive for this. And then there'll be the United States because the United States, whether the United States is the world reserve currency or not, we still have a lot of huge companies. We still produce a lot of everything. We still have the world's strongest military. So don't think that we're like all of a sudden just going to crash and burn. I just think it means that this is my kind of take. It's like, you're going to have the United States dollar and the Euro, maybe, and maybe a yuan, and they're all going to back it with all kinds of different things. They're going to back it with oil. They're going to back it with Bitcoin. They're going to back it with gold. They're going to back it with all kinds of shit. Um, But having the strongest currency it's gonna be like a battle and the way to do that in my opinion is to make your money worth more and hopefully you know hopefully this gets america you know to go wake the fuck up and uh back their money with bitcoin first buy as much of it as you can first i mean that's the game theory right yeah. There's going to be a, you know, because Bitcoin doesn't have to be that medium of exchange to start out. It doesn't have to be that medium of exchange, like, for everything to start out. But, you know, could be great collateral. <laughs> could be, could you know, think about this. If gold became the standard again, there'd be a lot more people mining that shit too, right? So would the price even really go up that much? Nah, maybe. With Bitcoin, how do you sell it? It's absolute scarcity. And governments will buy i mean like at some point they're gonna go fuck i gotta get a lot of this shit because they can't have they the the more micro strategies the more uh duquans and usd stable coins and whatever that buy these large reserves of bitcoin the less the government's going to be able to have and that means the less power they'll be able to have around the whole world well, it was, uh, it was, I think it was Thursday, right? That the 19 millionth Bitcoin had been mined. There's, there's a little under two to go at this point. Right. And, uh, you know, I, 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 I'm not a hundred percent sure on, on the numbers as far as percentage, but I got to imagine that a ton of the, the Bitcoin miners out there are selling their Bitcoin and, and, and running a profitable business with it. Now there's plenty that are, that are mining for themselves to hold. I think right? they're all but but like but but think about like the larger the larger outfits right the mega what is it what is it called marathon uh marathon and just those those larger entities that have uh that have their full servers set up you know they've got full facilities um you know th- those guys are mining bitcoin and selling as a profitable business right uh, but again there's there's only 21 million of these suckers right I mean, have you seen, you've seen Terra, right? Have you seen this stuff with Terra with, I haven't really looked into that a whole, a ton. What happened but, with Exxon Mobil? Yeah, I have seen that. I have seen so Exxon Mobil. They're now, that, they're now mining Bitcoin. Yeah, set the price and think about that. They're setting all that up for only two more million. So you think that they think it's going to go up in price and somebody there knows something. You got to follow the money with Bitcoin. 
it's pouring in to the system. The network is growing so fast. I yeah. mean, the moment, you know, Jack Mahler's announced a partnership with Apple. I mean, like, then you can think of Bitcoin. Think of it for an investment. Think of it as a company. The network, it's just a company that's 100% worker-owned. So the only way for you to get a good investment out of your Bitcoin, if you're somebody who's, like, all in, like Jack Mahler's is, is like all in on it, is to make it truly great. Yeah. Otherwise, it's not going to work. That's why building something on Bitcoin, that's why uh, all the applications that will come to it, all the innovation, all the cool stuff is so much better than all the other shit because you have to build something for free to just make the network that much more valuable. You're basically making a company that you can never own more valuable. So you got to think of it as we're all workers for the Bitcoin network anyway. And if we're all workers for it, that means we're all, uh, we all have equity if you own some of it. So, and you can buy as much equity as you can get your USD hands on, you know, like you can buy as much as you want right now, mm -hmm. but you know when it's really, the price is really going to go up, Nick, when all the miners and everybody go, yeah, we're not selling this shit anymore. Yeah. We're done. We're done. Well, we're I, done. I've we're seen, done. uh, I've seen a lot of takes from, uh, Will Clemente and Dylan LeClaire talking about, um, short term. I forget, I forget the terminologies that they use, but is like short-term holder cost basis has has reversed and is now in the positive uh meaning the people who have bought you know on on a shorter timeline here recently are officially positive on their investment which is uh which is uh, obviously a good thing uh, but then they said i think it's uh long and short-term holders that haven't moved their bitcoin in x amount of time is at an all-time high and the last time that it did this, uh, that, that we had a similar situation as far as the analytics on the network go, um, was in September of 21, right before it did that big, huge rip. And uh, so they said that they said that there's like all this stuff that's um, that's gearing that's gearing Bitcoin into uh, a, a shoot up type of situation. But then there's also uh, I've seen some talk on. I think it's short-term and long-term treasuries and their yields. And when they, when they invert in some, I, I don't know exactly the deals. I, I, I probably shouldn't talk about it because I don't know a whole, whole lot about what the deal is, but they invert their, their yield curves. And typically, I guess what, what has always happened in the past or what has happened in the past a majority of the time is that a recession follows. And I don't think that that, uh, I don't think that that's far off from the truth, right? I mean, if, if a recession starts here pretty quick, I think we'd all be like, um, yeah, I think we probably could have seen something like this coming, you know, I don't know how big or how bad or, you know, whatever, but, uh, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, we've been throwing money into the markets at this point for freaking years and really, uh, really screwing everything up and twisting everything up, you know, it, it's, it's wild. So I was reading some stuff earlier this morning about, um, it was about, when when is inflation good for an economy when is inflation good for an economy and it was talking about oh the you know it's it it, it always talks about lost or uh unused labor and production in the economy um and so it, it was talking about you know if we if we stimulate uh the economy by printing more money by adding more money into uh, the total supply, it will stimulate more economic activity. It'll bring more people back to work. It, it's typically something that the that the the federal government will do whenever we are at the bottom of a recession or or a depression, whatever you want to look at. Whenever economic activity is um, is is really low, whenever we've got a lot of unemployment, you stimulate the economy with a bunch of money, and it gets things moving and moving and moving again. Well, now we're at a point where things have uh, have ran on red right we're running at 10,000 rpms and and this thing's going too fast well now they've got to tighten up the spending they've got to tighten up the the qe so that so that the economy can slow down and, and let some steam off right but it uh, it just seems like these guys can't quite let that happen right they, it's almost like it's almost like jerome powell and his boys they got too much ego involved and they're like we they, they don't they don't want there to be any type of downturn right because they own all the assets at the uh, at the end of the day, right? They own all this kind of stuff. They got tons of money in 
in hard assets and equities and all this stuff. They don't want to take the dump either, right? Just like all the rest of us. But here's the here's the wild part that you know they talk about. Also, um, inflation helps debtors, which it does, right? I mean, if if you've got a fixed a fixed uh, um, if you've got a fixed liability, call it a mortgage, right? And you pay a thousand bucks for your mortgage every month, and then the the purchasing power of a dollar goes down. Well, then that effectively means that you are going to be spending less money, less purchasing power to pay for that fixed liability than you would in the beginning, right? You you know you you talk about the um, the increased supply of uh, of money devaluing what we hold. Well, that also devalues the debt that we have to pay out as well. If a thousand dollars today is not is worth less than a thousand dollars at some point in the future. Well, then the the thousand dollar fixed outflow for a, a mortgage payment for a liability will also be worth less at some point, sometime in the future, uh, which is which is interesting, right? So you're like, okay, so this kind of can help people that are in debt. Okay, interesting, but but typically the the people that are at the the middle income and, and below, right? They don't have a ton of assets that they're sitting on that are that are helping them hedge the uh, the the risk. Uh, the 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 criminal evil that inflation is right. They don't have a bunch of cash that they're sitting on to help them in in times of emergency, right? And even if they did, it would devalue, right? And uh, so so it's almost like the 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 exact people that they're trying to help in this situation. We talk about uh, um, you talk about high unemployment. You talk about people not being able to work. You talk about people not being able to pay for things all the economic activity being at like level zero, uh, we're going to print some money so we can stimulate economic activity, but then it devalues everything that that person owns. Right. It's like, guys, what are we doing? You know, this, this isn't how it works. And, you know, I think, I think we may hit on it uh, next week, but dude, again, the time value or not time value time preference of money, it plays a huge role in the society. Uh, you know, it's, it's not just, we're not just talking about money, you know, it's not just money. It's not just an investment. It's not just economics. It's what does the future look like? What, what kind of life are we going to create for the, the generation uh, behind us? Right. What kind what, what kind of world are we leaving for the next generation? Um, you know, whenever, whenever money is not sound and we have to think, we have to think about right now today, because our, our dollars aren't going to be worth anything in the future. Well, that inherently leads us down a pretty strange path, right? We all we do is think about today and myself, and we don't get to think about what's in the future and what are we leaving for the for the guys behind us, you know? That was a good think? rant. What do you think, Griff? Dude, that was just like, I like that. It's a it's a wild world we're living in here heater i think it's one of those things too i mean like i find myself on heaters like you kind of just were there like where you're just like what the hell are we gonna do and why are these old people for lack of a better phrase why are these old people fucking us what's the deal why are we why are they not like are they missing what you just said because i feel like you you just said like what are how could you argue that like Dude, I, I, I don't know, man. Like, how could you? How could that be argued? Yeah, let's let's think about that. Let's let's do that. That'd be a fun uh, fun experiment here. I mean, what's uh, what what is the person that that doesn't that's not a bitcoiner um, that that believes that the dollar is going to be okay and that uh, and that um, the the federal government is going to be able to get us out of this? I mean, what do they what do they say? I mean, what is, what is the point that goes against it? I don't know. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> There's no argument. There's no argument to be made. They're screwed. They even know they're screwed. That's why they're considering Bitcoin. Because they're like, you know, Man, we're going to have to flip this thing on its head. But they're going to find out. I think the whole thing about Bitcoin is they might think they have a plan to control it. And you can't control it. Hmm. But they just don't know that. Yeah. And that's fine. They're you know, be- it... Uh, it really is wild. I was talking to, uh, to a previous, uh, previous coworker, whenever I was at Inspire, um, met, met a guy that I was there with that is no longer there. Um, and we were talking about, um, 
you know, the things that we had learned while we were in that industry. And he's still in the industry in some sense, a little, little bit of a different gig that he's got now. Uh, but we were, we were talking about, um, you know, the hundred hours, right? You put a hundred, you put a hundred hours in or whatever the exact number is, right? It depends on how, how, how uh, able you are to grasp the ideas and all that kind of stuff. But either way, let's call it a hundred hours. You put a hundred hours into learning Bitcoin and I'll tell you what, it's going to be really difficult to find answers that uh, to the questions that we were just talking about, about what's, how, how does this not work, right? Like, uh, how, why, why, why not Bitcoin, right? What, what are the, what are the real reasons against Bitcoin? You know, I'm, I'm hearing all this stuff about um, the environmental impact right now, dude, this is this, this is so dumb. So, you know what? Bitcoin consumes a shit ton of energy, 100%, 100% it does. Okay, so let's get that out of the way. Bitcoin for sure consumes a ton of energy. Okay, so does that mean that it's inherently bad? I don't think so. It I mean, consumes a ton of energy relative to what though? I exactly, mean, right? I mean, like, like, exactly, like- We uh, energy if we wanted to. We as people choose to take the worst ways of obtaining energy. We don't use nuclear, so we resort to wind and solar and oil. Well, and wind and solar is like you got to think about what 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 uh, what is Bitcoin the whole thing about Bitcoin is we're talking about non renewables or renewables that are wasted. So wasted energy is cheap. So basically, Bitcoin miners will flock to where wasted energy is, wasted renewables, wasted whatever. Because it gets shot into the ground, and if it just gets wasted, it just gets wasted. There's no nothing you do with that energy. So Bitcoin has a huge incentive to operate cheaply and operate on wasted energy, and that only bolsters our energy grid because now we're not even wasting any energy. It's really efficient, really. We're just making it just makes it much more efficient. And well, you know, it's uh, it's just interesting to think about, um, you know. It, the energy that Bitcoin is consuming, because there are people that are connected into the regular grid, right? Um, they're not they're not capturing those special types of energy, um, you know, on on oil fields and things like that, or flare, like the flaring that we've seen with uh, with midstream, uh, not I guess not midstream, just oil producers, right? Uh, but anyways, we all you also got to think about okay, well, why is Bitcoin consuming all this energy? And and you know, you and I both know that. The, the Bitcoin mining process not only produces new Bitcoin, but it protects the network. The more hash power that goes into the mining process, the more protection, the more security the total network has. Mm -hmm. So we think how, how much energy, how much energy are we willing to expend on the protection and the soundness of our, of our money? How much uh, energy are we willing to expend to protect um, you know, keeping people out of a, a situation of poverty. Um, how much are we willing to expend on uh, on protecting our property, protecting our property rights? Right? How much how much ener energy are we willing to expend for that? You know, right now um, we're looking at you know go talk go, go uh, or go look at um, Jason Lowry. I listened to that uh, that that uh, interview that you were talking about, Griff, whenever he went on the Pomp Show really good right where he talks about the knife and the gun don't bring a knife to a gunfight well why because it, because a gun because a gun has has so much more uh, uh energy that it can trans transmit to protect uh your property right well would you bring a gun to a tank fight well no because a tank has more energy it requires it and produces more energy right uh and the same is true and then he he also brings it back to right these things can be used to protect our property, right? You, you want to trust your neighbor. He talks about you want to trust your neighbor, but just in case I've got a gun so that if he comes over here and he tries to steal my stuff, I can protect myself, worst case scenario, right? Well, what if instead of having to kill each other and stab each other and shoot each other to protect our property, right? To protect our future, we talk about the, the time preference of our money, uh, if money is not sound and it devalues over time, well, we don't save for the future. We don't think about the future. And if we're not thinking about the future, 
I can't imagine that creates the best future for, for the generations to follow, right? I think that we, we've got to value the future because valuing the future allows us to operate intentionally today to create what we want to create in the future. And it allows us to have the future that we're creating today, right? If, and if we don't have that, well, then everything falls apart and, and we, we run into the moral issues that, that, that that's going to cause. We run into a, a demoralization of society, right? We, it, it, all of these issues, right, that it's going to create down, down the line and all the spinoffs from all the major things that it's going to create, dude, it's, it's not good. And so the question is, is it really worth expending any, any energy to protect that? I think, I think it's probably pretty important, right? So does, does, does there, is there some environmental impact on the Bitcoin mining process? Uh, yeah, I'm sure there is a little bit, right? I mean, we've got to produce miners, like miners have to be made and that, that requires that positive raw materials. Well, you know, but again, it's like, how much are we willing to expend? I mean, I, I think that we should probably expend some amount of energy and, and you know, let, you know some, some amount of energy. Well, yeah, I get what you're saying. Like, it's okay, even if it does impact the environment a little bit, it's still worth it. Yeah, absolutely. I'm just saying that there's a world where it's maybe net positive for the environment, no longer net negative. And I mean, yeah, uh, that's that's a few. That's the ideal, think right? Looking the, into the future, think about all the damn states with a bunch of wasted energy that could just go, "Hey, miners, pretty much give you it for free here yeah. come get it." And now their energy grids are stronger as well because yep. inefficiency is makes things weaker. Yep. You want things to be efficient, so you're just efficiently using all the energy within, you know, the entire country. And I mean, I only think that's going to make it better and better and better because. Then if you want to create a green future, and this is why the green people should love it, if you want to try and skip up on nuclear power, well, you better have a bunch of Bitcoin miners attached to your solar panels and attached to your wind turbines because you're going to have a lot of wasted energy. So you better just bring them along with it. So these environmentalists, I think, will come along because the greenest technically form of energy would be wind and solar to to a degree if done right kind of come out a huge fan but well, it's like how much how much does it cost to produce those things you know what yeah. is you know like what 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 kind of metal do we use what kind of composite materials do we use what kind of you right. know what and what does it take to to create or produce or find or mine those materials and how long do they last you know that did you know that um those huge wind turbines right with the huge uh the huge uh i guess wings i, I don't know what you call them those things don't last that long, and they've got like huge burial yards where they've just got these just rows of those things lined up because they don't last that long. Mm. I mean, what is the environmental impact of that, right? We talk about green energy, or you, you know, I'm sure you've heard of of the lithium ion, or I guess just lithium that they have to mine to create these electric batteries. Okay, well, what's the environmental impact of all of that mining? It's a horrible process. It's not good. It really destroys everything that they get into, right? Um, but again, it's like, okay, we're not just we're not just protecting money. We're not just protecting uh, a couple of dollars in a wallet. We're, we're protecting so much more than that. We're talking about the soundness of money, the future of culture, the future of people, the future of humanity, right? Um, you know, people talk about switching from proof of work which is the current mining system that Bitcoin operates on, that, that, that Ethereum operates on currently, um, that all of the, a lot of the major uh, blockchains will operate on. They're wanting to switch over to a proof of stake system, which is what uh, a lot of the, some of the, like a lot of the shit coins operate on. There's, there's, no, uh, there's, there's no real uh, work to be done. It's just whoever has the most amount of that currency gets to validate and verify the transactions, which, that ain't good. You know, that ain't good. I mean, that, that completely negates all of the, uh, the, the properties of, of why Bitcoin is valuable. It's that it's decentralized. It's that no, there is nobody in control. The people at the we top found don't a control way to do it. Yeah. It's like you found a working way to incentivize people to validate these transactions without trying to cheat the system or, you know, just own more than somebody else or make it political or find a freebie proof of work not your keys not your coins it's a great system yeah it's just crazy bro we're on the same page 
everybody yeah, else. I, What's up with everybody else? I don't understand. Why is everybody? I feel like everybody just wants it. Everybody wants a 10x rather than just trusting uh, what the true digital space is going to be is hopefully a Bitcoin world. But if not a Bitcoin world, we better buckle the fuck up. It's going to be crazy. <laughs> it's going to be crazy. Um, Imagine we're going to be trading altcoins out there. Fine. Fine. Give me my give me my Dogecoin. I just don't think that's the future we see. I think it's just that's just crazy. Yep. But, I agree, man. And I guess I'm crazy because of Bitcoin, but I think people are crazier that believe in that. And if they do, and that's the world they're trying to build, you know, I, I say good for them. They're gonna run into a lot of regulatory problems. They're gonna run into a lot of issues with their users. Um and they're also gonna run into a big problem just competing with Bitcoin because for Bitcoin all the developers, they'll just build everything for free. You're a company, just not, you know, it's not going to be, it's not as powerful. It's not going to be as good. Just saying. Man, uh, this inflation piece is is pretty wild. You know, I I hope to God that it does not continue persisting the way that it has for the past several months. Um, You know, hopefully, hopefully we see things taper off a little bit. I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know what the future holds. I don't know what it looks like, but um, I mean, where we're at today is uh, obviously a situation that we could end up again in again in the future. Um, it could be significantly worse in the future. Um, we could never see the dollar inflate again, uh, but that's probably not going to happen, right? I mean, <laughs> the chances of that are like uh, zero. You know, so I, I don't know. I don't know what the future looks like. You know, to Griff's point earlier, seventy-five um, percent of all fiat currencies that were ever created failed. And the remaining 25% are right here today, what we've got now. And uh, the system has ne- the, the system that we're operating under today has never worked. Um, we're, we're seeing is- – we, we are literally seeing issues right now. I mean, dude, like we, we were on the website a second ago, um, and we saw the price of a home in 1971 was $25,000. Is that really how much a home actually costs to make? Do you think it really costs twenty five grand? But things have just uh, – uh, been so inflated that it now te- we have to expend more dollars to to buy the same house i think the question like what's the real is, cost I you know the question there is is like the lumber in essence to build this home um how much is the lumber inflated and is lumber inflating because we don't have as much supply so demand is outpacing supply so that price is high or you know do, where is this all the way messed up right you know, like in Northern California, we've had a lot more forest fires, you know, but that's because back in like the 1960s, the government said lumber companies have to stop chopping down so many trees to protect the environment. Mm-hmm. But now, because there's no lumber companies monitoring the situation, making sure the debris is picked up, making sure the amount of trees are correct per acre or whatever, there's like 20 times as many trees. So a forest fire happens and now we have these huge forest fires because there's just more trees just because the regulation is wrong they're just like oh do the green thing do the right thing just doesn't make any sense somehow or another elizabeth warren would say that that's bitcoin's fault and we need to we need to ban bitcoin but that's what i'm saying but what i'm saying is so (laughs) for building these homes is the cost of building home could it truly be 25 grand i think potentially i think potentially the world could get back to that point yes i do because i think a lot of those commodities used to build much of these things, they're not more expensive. We just aren't operating efficiently. Hmm. And it doesn't matter what you want to build in a truly un, in a truly robust economy where, you know, every, all 50 states are firing on all cylinders. What couldn't we do? What, what couldn't you have? What price couldn't we get it down to? How hmm. cheap could we make everything? I think pretty fucking cheap, Nick. But... That's my, I would say, I'd like to leave everybody with that today. I think the world can get that cheap again. Um, but I do truly think the only way is through Bitcoin. And you either hop on or hop off uh, of that. But, you know, poor people, young people who don't have assets like Nick and, Nick and me right here, uh, you should be rooting for a Bitcoin standard. You should be buying some because you can buy uh digital properties the super mega store of value like a world's never seen before and you get to participate in a 
in a country, in a network, the Bitcoin country, the Bitcoin network, that you want to talk about no judgment. You want to talk about free. You want to talk about open source. You want to talk about permissionless. You want to talk about just living the life that you want to live and transacting with each other. Bitcoin basically gives you the ability to do that now. So if you're really a free thinker, free mind, love the people, you're for the people, by the people, it's really hard for you to argue against Bitcoin, but yeah, they still will, Nick. So we'll just keep on keeping on. Yes, sir. Alrighty. This has been another episode of the Nick and Griff show. We are happy to have you guys listening. Hit us on uh, Twitter up here at Nick and Griff show. Um, come hit us on Twitter. We're, uh, we're always open to talk with people. We would love to have more guests on. Uh, we've got some new uh, graphics here that I made and they look sick, super juiced about them. Uh, but uh, yeah, come check out our Twitter. Shoot us some DMs, shoot us questions, shoot us your thoughts, articles to read. Um, here's the gas prices I was talking about. Um, come hit us on Twitter. Let's talk. Um, and we cannot wait to see you again here in the next episode of the Nick and Griff Show. Peace.